0: You're listening to the AID Network.
1: This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth and all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design and you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. My citizenship still pending, of course, no button. has been one of the saddest weeks in many of our lives as Americans. I don't want you to ignore the chaos. I don't want you to ignore your heartbreak. And I certainly don't want you to give up the good fight and the conversations that I hope you're having. It would be best if you didn't stop, even though you may be tired and I'm sure you feel fatigued. I know I do. But I want to give you a place to go when you decide to hit pause, because the world still needs the beauty, the peace of Disneyland. So leave this world behind for 90 minutes. And I've asked you, close your eyes and feel that warm sun of Southern California in June kiss your skin and let your ears hear the sounds and make your imagination see the sights of the peaceful town of Radiator Springs. You know the one located in Carburetor County join philander butler and myself mark Bricky, as we take you on a slow ride through one of the fastest towns on route 66 it's disneyland for designers episode 22 cars land and i'm so happy that you decided to push play and to get away with philander and myself at disneyland
0: of the Ornament Valley, broadcasting live from beautiful downtown Radiator Springs. And now, a word from our sponsor. All right.
1: Today's the day. Today's the day that I'm going to meet my bud Philander. He told me, meet me at the Crossroads. And I got a little confused (laughs) because it's actually Cross Street, but I'm going to meet him at the Crossroads. I'm standing at the corner of Cross Street and Route 66 and... (sighs) Oh, it feels so good to be in DCA right now. All right. He has to take the plaid vest off at 615. That's when he's clocking out. He's done being a VIP tour guy for the day. And now he's going to slum it with old man Bricky. And here he comes with a regular vest on.
0: Just always wearing vests all the time. <laughs> just always. Just like, like a Care Bear.
1: You show your affection by what color your vest is. Care Bear, one of my favorite Disney properties. Flander. How you doing, bud? How you hanging in there?
0: Doing great. Uh, We are just kind of hanging in. Family's enjoying, enjoying really all that family time. That's been a really fun thing. Catching up on uh, a lot of old projects. A lot of writing, which is good. I've been having a lot of fun. uh, Talking about the a lot of Disneyland anniversaries and company anniversaries have been really fun. You know, it's easy for people to miss those, especially the ones where it's like an off season, like, oh, right. this is the 43rd anniversary. Right? right.
1: The ones we don't celebrate big time.
0: Yeah. But it's been nice to go back and dive into those old attractions and events because it kind of like reaffirms that memory of them. Because it's super easy to like start forgetting about the ins and outs of uh, when this thing opened or what was important about it when. So when you go back and read about it, it kind of like, submits it back in my head so I've been having just as much fun as hopefully people that have been reading it um but it's nice it's a good outlet for me from uh being someone who's constantly always talking to people all the time yeah uh, being able to do it that way is kind of like a fun uh past the time until we get to do it again
1: till so you get to do it IRL as the kids all say <laughs> one of the things I enjoy about those Instagram posts that you're you're talking about that you put up is I like to try to put the context in mind of, you know, you put Small World up last week, you know, one of my all-time favorite attractions, and the whole backstory of, you know, that being in New York and coming out here, just such the, the perfect example of how deep the history of Disneyland is when you start digging. But I like to try to put myself in the context of what it must have been like with those construction walls up, and this new thing's coming, and it was in New York, and my cousin who lives in New Jersey wrote it and told me that it's crazy. Like, I remember the last three or four years of just going up to the whatever closest edge I could get to the galaxy's edge and Mm -hmm. just dreaming it's going to be here, it's going to be here, and riding the train sitting backwards to just try to catch whatever (laughs) glimpse I could. And so I always try to just put myself back at that moment of, what was the hype like? What was the marketing strategy for small world? What was the radio buy? Because you know it was on the radio. You know the yeah. print ads in the newspaper. Like I always try to put myself in the context of when these things were new and not just part of generations of generations where grandmothers have wrote it with their daughters who now wrote it with their grandkids. Like it just blows my mind what a big part of Southern California, like that attraction in particular is.
0: Yeah, and then to have people have Walt tell you about it, also—that oh, to me is like get life. out of here. Cause now, because <laughs> now we like we, we get like inundated with uh, stuff on the Parks blog or commercials, you know things like that. But to have Walt himself and explain it to me, oh, I just recently because I hadn't seen it in so long, went back and watched that 10 uh, year anniversary Disneyland um, oh, the video where he what a great video. Oh my gosh, yeah, and to have to be like someone who was potentially at home watching that or you learned about that and then you went to the park and saw those walls up and stuff after hearing about it from Walt and those Imagineers like I can't even imagine can yeah. imagine
1: the old disneyland tv show is is so special to me and in a large part it's kind of what I wanted to try to do with the podcast is sort of bring back that when i think about the disneyland the tv show or when they used to make Viewmasters of Disneyland, mm-hmm. it, it gave you a taste for it and then you wanted more. And the idea with the podcast was living here, I have unlimited access to the park. How do you share that with other people in a way that makes it feel special to them? You know, not just ripping through the headlines because there's always Disney news to cover, but actually try to cover like the emotions of the park. And there is something about the way that Walt could tell that story that it was brand new. But it already felt like legend.
0: Yeah, uh, I need to. Uh, they need to hurry up and put those on Disney Plus. I want to rewatch a bunch of those. I don't
1: know if it makes it because, unfortunately, it's a little dated in spots. You know, they might have to do a little yeah. bit of editing there because it was, you know, sixty years ago, and, <laughs> and it was by far a very different time. But here we stand in this piece of property, once a parking lot. Some Imagineers Mm. said that they liked DCA better when it was a parking lot. But I think in 2012, and actually a week from now will be the anniversary, June 15th, 2012, when Radiator Springs first opened up, I think that was probably the moment where people started to say, all right, this isn't a complete disaster. There's something going on here.
0: Yeah, they needed, there had to be a big draw. Like what was going to shake the... The, the, the thoughts and, rem- and people were min- remembering the past, what was going to be the thing that separated the old from the new and right. having a massive new land uh, with a def- uh, literally a park-defining e-ticket attraction, that will be the thing that separates it forever. And I think that in many ways,
1: one of the things that I would love for people to take away from this episode is the thought process that Radiator Springs represents the new normal the new template of what a land can be, and if we look mm-hmm. at the lands that have been built post Radiator Springs, if you know, if we look at uh, Pandora and Animal Kingdom, or if we, more importantly, look just across the Espinanda at <laughs> the Galaxy's Edge, Radiator Springs is the true prequel to the Galaxy's Edge.
0: Yep, the the, the very beginning. I, I, I'm fascinated also by the fact that. Cars Land, at least to my knowledge, and I know you probably would know otherwise, uh, is the first time Imagineering had to create something that already existed on that scale as opposed to something like Pandora or Galaxy's Edge, they have a template, but right. not like an exact blueprint, this needs to look like this, because this is how people saw it in the film or whatnot. Well,
1: it's interesting that you say that because in an Imagineering story, we all learned that this parcel of land was going to be car land No space mm-hmm. A land themed around cars Which would have kept the DCA Vibe of independent yes. From intellectual property thing going Which everybody complains Everything's related to a movie <laughs> And then they gave them a park related to no movies And everybody complained because it was horrible <laughs> and, and so when they decided Maybe Pixar's Cars Land Or Cars uh, franchise is worthy of doing this. You're absolutely right because with Star Wars, even though it's so long in the past and so far from here, they do seem to represent the human dimensions in size and scale. A land that is themed around the size of an automobile, even though automobiles are our you know technical uh, or technology companions. That's a whole different ball of wax of like, how but how do you build it? How do you really do it, though? It's a great idea, but how do we do it?
0: Yeah, a place where people technically should not exist. We have to build this land for both the automobiles and the guests that are visiting. And they have to live, like coexist with, the, with each other. It's such a great challenge. And what
1: I always love is seeing the research and development of WDI. And the fact that they got a team together, actually drove Route 66, took photos, made swatches, made style guides. Like What we're standing on right now, standing on Route 66, everything around us, you can almost find an identical real-world counterpart Mm -hmm. where the textures were borrowed, the way that the buildings had worn down that turn of the century. Uh, architecture like everything around here is inspired from something in the real world and comparing this again to galaxy's edge whose one-year anniversary is right now as well um, they did the same thing they put imagineers and sent them to india and sent them to the craziest bazaars known on planet earth to be like how do the walls (laughs) rust How, how do the pipes how does the electrical wires dangle down around here because Star Wars is a, from another world, but it has to work within ours. And I, I think that everything that you love about Galaxy's Edge first started right where we're standing.
0: Yeah, Cars Land is definitely the test you know, about or how, how far, how deep can we, immersive can we make this land? How, can it feel like we've stepped into... Uh, a space that we are familiar with and have it be believable, you know, especially with what how you're saying—that specific design, you know, the rust and the dirt and the the trail, or even down to that <laughs> beloved uh, beloved uh, blinking light at the end of the street, pulled directly from the film, like just nothing left unturned. And it is so great in that it
1: feels like there's a lot happening. But there's also a lot of utility in Cars Land that us, the guests, never really realize that we're going past what I like to refer to as the hidden buildings of Radiator Springs. Mm-hmm. For, for example, the cast member uh, building that it looks like the uh, the union building or what, what, mm-hmm. what's, what's that old building? They have a stencil out on the front of the building. They have a hand-painted sign that on day one looks so perfectly beat up with the perfect amount of um, just distress and everything put in there. Patina, that's the word I was looking for. Mm -hmm. What does it say on the outside of that building?
0: That's the one that's on the left just past Mater's, right? Yeah, just just past uh... Mater's.
1: It's the, um, forgive me Uh, for not knowing off the top of my
0: head here, uh, Assembly Hall. Yeah, I want to say it's like Assembly Hall. They And they have the movie posters on the wall there. Oh, what does it say? It, it is, I have it
1: right here in front of me. It says, Carburetor Country, uh, Tractor Feed and Farm Association Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't we remember that? <laughs> oh, and by the way, the, the small print meetings first Tuesday of every month at 7.30 p.m. <laughs> Can't believe we didn't remember that off the top of our head.
0: It's so specific.
1: <laughs> so that building is actually, from what I understand, that's a cast member uh, building of, of some regard.
0: Yeah, like a, um, a very simply, like a commissary. Okay. But the fact that it was it was able to exist there and but also be utilized as set dressing for Cars Land is is great.
1: Here's the thing about this building. I walked past it like a hundred times and it never really dawned on me that we never use this building. Mm -hmm. And this was kind of one of the first buildings that taught me to do what I like to call um, shell, where you start on one edge and you walk the shell, the outer perimeter of a land, because that is the best way to find every detail. And when I first moved to California, I went to Disneyland one day, and all I did was walk the most outer edge, and it was such a great day of discovery. And as soon as Galaxy's Edge opened up, or I went to Cars Land for the first time, I, you know, I did the loop with all my buddies and said, mm-hmm. "I got to take a soul journey right now," <laughs> and I just follow that edge, right? And that's how you figure out where all the weird buildings are. For example, you know, relating this over to Galaxy's Edge. Uh, where the land speeder like mechanic shop is. Mm-hmm. That round circular building. I'm like, what do they do in there? And with a little <laughs> bit of investigation, I found out that's where the characters come and go as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So this building is one of what I would refer to as one of the hidden buildings of of carsland but there's more of them as well. <laughs> if you go over to Luigi's, they're building that cast member building behind it, which is going to mm-hmm. just look fantastic. It's going to give that ride so much more depth, and it's going to make Radiator Springs feel like it goes on so much more. But underneath us, while we're yep. dancing away, there's people working underneath <laughs> us. That is mind-blowing.
0: That space is such a fun space over there and uh I love the dancing, uh, the, the rocking roadsters. Uh, I still, I was a fan of the uh, flying tires. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that was uh, tough for some guests to be able to maneuver and manage on. Did you get a chance to do those before? Absolutely, I did. Okay. And it, it, when it worked, it was fun.
1: And then other times yeah. I'm like, what the hell am I doing right now? <laughs> what's, go, what's going on here? What am I doing?
0: Yeah, anything that takes that much of a, probably takes that much Direction, you know, because there was so many like things you had to know and, and when you could get it to work, it could work, but I would always see a few people that unfortunately weren't able to manage it. And they kind of just kind of floated around for, you know, the about a minute and a half, you know, and hopefully they hadn't waited too long for that experience, but it's a tougher thing. Um, I remember they had to change it up. I remember they had the beach balls added right, in there and little right. things to kind of spice it up. So it's one of those things where it didn't work out. And I'm a person who appreciates the the failures just as much as the successes because you need to be able to balance, you know, the the differences between the two and learn and move forward, which is always really important.
1: Yeah. But, but that's a defined failure, Bringing that ride back to life after it was already over in Tomorrowland, that's like taking the milk that was bad in July and in September being like, I'm going to try it again. Who knows? It could be good again. (laughs) I mean, I'll give it to him for somebody who's like headstrong and like, look, man, don't give me any lip. This is going to work. Okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I maybe I was wrong. Maybe I didn't see the second part of that report from Tomorrowland. You know, I love that area over there and when these buildings uh, up above us are are finished, it's it's going to be fantastic, but this gave me another idea. What exists at the courthouse and the firehouse? Like that's a whole big building. I know that there's a backstage access there. But there is so much in this land that we walk by as guests and just suck it all in. And don't even think about there is utility that has to happen all around us so you guys can do your jobs. And by the way, thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is a really great part about theming and how DCA, a park that was a little bit of flawed out of the gate, This shows its promise for the future because these buildings, I guarantee you, some folks that are listening right now, they're going, I never put two and two together that I don't go inside of that building or I'm never a part of what it has to offer.
0: Yeah, you like walk by and that's, it's such a, you bring up such a good point. It, it, they do such a good job of having it exist there and it exists so seamlessly that you can walk by it dozens and dozens of times and not even realize that it's not empty, like as you've mentioned many times before, we don't have the luxury of space. We can't just put, you know, empty buildings there. It's going to have some sort of use. I love that. But the fact that it is done so well that you pass it, especially someone who visits the park often on their way down to getting a fast pass for radio Springs racers or something, you are constantly passing these buildings and you don't give it a second thought. No. As opposed to if it was just some warehouse, you know, it would stick out completely like a sore thumb. Uh, it's, it's, I'm even now looking at them more so because I'm someone who has gone behind them, but even still looking at them and knowing their purpose, it gives you that kind of extra, like, it's, you know, they, we have to have this building here, so we need to make it look like this thing. And that's such a great, it was such a great job they did.
1: And the way that they're themed, it doesn't make the guest feel like you're missing anything. Like when you're standing in front of the town's founder and you have the courthouse in front of you, which you know, the overlays that it gets for uh both holidays, Halloween, and Christmas is fantastic. You don't feel like you're missing anything. You feel like it's a set piece that was built and designed for you. It's the reward by making it to the end of, of Route 66. But there is a purpose there, and at some point, you, when you're a hardcore deep diver like me, you're like, "Wait a minute! I never. That's not a shop. I don't eat food in there. <laughs> what am I missing out on?" And I tell you what, what a lot of people miss out on. I would encourage everybody to do this: is walk right up to the end of Radiator Springs, get to the very, very end of Route 66, do your salute to the town's founder. And then look over to your left because there's a beautiful
0: hidden mural that I guarantee you. Oh, that mural's so beautiful! Seventy-five
1: percent of the people that have been to Raider Springs have never seen that thing.
0: No, that's that's definitely the uh, the hangout spot for the parents with uh, the littles that are too small to finish to do Raider Springs, and they kind of sit there in the shade. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a great mural that could realistically have been like front and center anywhere else in the land, but. You know, imagineering filling out every space, you know, just to add to that depth of the land, which is so great.
1: I mean, let's be honest, it could have also just been a brick wall. They did it. Yep. They didn't have to do it, and that's always when you appreciate it more when it's put there gratuitously for just the person that happens to go that far and look back. You know? One of the things I've learned about Disneyland is always look back and always look up, which are the two places that most people never look. Most people are just Eyes on the prize. I'll spend $150. I'm going to get every nickel's worth. You know, it's like, I understand. If you have a family, it's crazy. I understand. But here's something else that really kind of blew my mind is the original Fast Pass and how. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So we're standing once again in front of the town founder. Thank you so much for discovering this. Appreciate it. <laughs> If we go over to the left, we can find the hidden mural. But if you and I duck over here to the right, there's these garage door bays, which used to be the FastPass distribution, which turned out to be a complete disaster when you have a, an attraction that has a consistent two-plus-hour wait, and then you got people trying to fight their way in to get into FastPasses, and that's how eventually it ended up in the weirdest spot ever, back in front of a uh, Bugs Land.
0: Mm -hmm. it's moved so many times because I mean now it's uh in that little kind of fun area that's off uh where you can look at the uh the whole mountain range and they have the plaque there that talks about the mountains but I remember when it was at that first area there and it was a tough pinch point because you had everybody at rope drop going in the exact same direction as opposed to splitting off to either Bugs Land when it was there or up to the right now to kind of break off the uh the um, all the crowds coming in, and it's like a, a, such a small like little mistake you don't even think about it maybe at the time and and I remember it was it's it's d- such done really well like I remember the signage was really great the neon sign is like that Luba area. area yeah. um, they created that neon sign for it um, but yeah it's it's I guess you know when you build new attractions thinking about where you need to put fast pass distribution which almost you can think of potentially in the future could be such a thing of the past where they don't even have to build something like that anymore but where because do you put iPhones. you know yeah. <laughs> where do you put the the entrance to a ride or an exit to a ride or where do you put distribution for fast pass and how does the distribution play into the story you know i'd love to mentioning to people the the little gonk droids that were the, the star, tours, star right. tours fast passes right. or the uh the newer redone ones that they did for matterhorn uh, they're oh. in the corner over there. With the like, carvings,
1: each each FastPass mm-hmm. distribution has its own animal carving on top of it. And it looks so good. But, you know, when you think about how the FastPass for this traction has moved around and, and where they're at now in those kind of like rolling carts, very temporary mm-hmm. solution. But that little area. So right now, walk over here with me. What we're going to do is we're going to go up Cross Street. We're in between flows. We're in between the racers. We're kind of this no man land. I love that they put this little area that I refer to as like the picnic area because mm-hmm. the way that all of this is built roadside, sort of like a little bit of a state park vibe to it. These little areas, like everybody remembers, like dad pulling over and this was the area where you like stretch your legs <laughs> and then you went and got your Get out the car. You went and use the bathroom and got a coffee or a soda or a donut or whatever you got. And I just I love that little area and it's interesting. When we're looking at Radiator Springs today, we're looking at a 12-acre extension. When we think about uh, Galaxy's Edge, that's 14 acres. I feel like they got a lot more wear and tear with uh, Galaxy's Edge, with that extra two Mm -hmm. acres, but also being on the edge of the park. They had so much more freedom on how they put things together. We're talking about 12 acres smack dab in the middle. of of the park, which is no easy thing to do. That adds so much complication when your sight lines are all around you. And Philander, it is so crazy for me to think that at one point, the end of DCA was about where Sarge is at. I I kind of estimated that that's about the end of DCA for years.
0: Yeah. The original map looking back on it now is mind blowing to see the size initially. Uh, what was there to offer, and that the park you could walk around it within 15, 10 minutes, I think, from uh, from end to end, and to see how far back. And they used every bit of space. I mean, Carsland bumps up almost directly to um, which street is that? Is that Catella back there? Oh, it's right say? on
1: Catella because I've been doing yeah, my laps.
0: Mm hmm. Like it is, they hit, they pushed it to its limit. I mean, Behind there you get a, a pathway for construction vehicles and then boom, the street is there. Like it is, they maxed it out. Um.
1: Well, you saw in my video that I did Disneyland Rocks where I show mm-hmm. the power of how Disney uses rock work to keep us inside Disneyland and keep the world outside of it. And I did that real quick little cheesy mock-up of what if it was a uh, radiator convention racers. Because if we didn't have that mountain range there, Monument Ornament or Ornament Valley, if it wasn't there, we would literally be looking at thousands and thousands of uh, convention floor space as well as hotel rooms galore. So the way that that's all pinched in there, and you're absolutely right, when you're standing where we're at right now, it doesn't even emotionally feel possible that if we jumped over those rocks... We would land in the middle of Catella, which is a hustling <laughs> and bustling uh, mid-sized city in America Street that has coffee shops and sandwich shops and and hotels all around us. Like that, emotionally feels miles away.
0: Yeah, and I remember you, uh, the you remember the, the you could still see them there the a little bit over by like Pixar Pier the power lines too. Mm-hmm. Like that was a huge thing where you would see those as well as the top of the convention. Uh, center And then they've done even more building on that convention center. They're adding new, like bigger buildings as well. So those the mountain ranges essential and adds that kind of like feeling where you almost get hugged by it. Yes. When you're standing in that spot where it, it, you can look from left, full left to right and get a full view of the entirety of that space. And you can see the importance and value of placing you in a space where you are completely surrounded by your environment. I like that's almost like when you're standing, um, Kind of in front of the Millennium Falcon and Galaxy's Edge yeah. and do like a complete 360 around you. Like You're in it. Perfect. You're in it. You're inside of it. I used to take
1: people over to uh Radiator Springs and the racers there and, and stand on the, the path in between flows on Cross Street and I would say this is going to be what Galaxy's Edge is like. I, I would mm-hmm. just say this is going to we're going to see rock work like this but it's going to be even more over exaggerated because space And I was so excited looking at this part of the park because I knew that it was the beta for Mm -hmm. the the big boy that would go across the way. And when you think about what an upgraded it is, Bountiful Valley Farm was what (laughs) originally took up Mm -hmm. what uh, existing part of this land, you know, that, that was open to the public. And for those of you that have never checked out what this was, it was a farm exhibit with Get this, kids! Old tractor equipment that you couldn't get on, but you could walk up to the wooden railing and look at tractor equipment. Mm -hmm. Wow! Wow! The upgrade. Give me an AP (laughs) pass right away. I have. I've got to go to. I'm a real bountiful farm guy. Uh, You can see my club jacket. I'm part of the Bountiful Boundary (laughs) Bounty Hunters. Uh, You know, we hang out here every Sunday. That is crazy that that was part of the original rollout. Absolute madness.
0: Yeah, I've talked with so many people imagining what... Because the park is uh, going to be turning... What is, that? is it 20... Is it 2001? So turning 19. Uh, coming up this year. But 20 anniversary
1: next year, right?
0: Yeah um th- what it would be like if stuff like Carsland debuted in 2001 oh yeah and what the park would look like 19 years from if you say you took it from literally how it is right now today and grew it from that because now you think of it with the bountiful farms and other things it's been adding to replace so many things that it's the, it's growth hasn't been able to be a uh, it's been more as opposed to of replacing things as opposed to just outward growing like Disneyland has because They uh, are doing their best to not remove anything, which is always wonderful. You know, you don't have to make any sacrifices for things. You want to have it grow all around. And I remember, I think it was you and Jared talking about how much further back they can go in Disneyland. Yeah. You know, because there's still so much more space there. If you don't think about the uh, types of buildings and spaces that are used for business or construction or preparation for, you know, things that are going on in the park, as opposed to Cars Land being a this is the hard stop right here. We're done.
1: What was interesting with uh, California Adventure is that they got a massive uh, permit from the city of Anaheim. Like, the, the, mm-hmm. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that they said, hey, we want to build a park that could be up to this amount of space. And Anaheim said yes. And then they built something that was much smaller. And it, it's an interesting history. And somebody like me that really loves like civic design and, and how all the parks flow, It's fascinating to see the quick evolution of DCA. And when we're looking forward at its 20 year anniversary, oh, what a deep and rich history of correcting all the errors and and up, you know, plusing it over and over again. And, you know, we're looking at Carsland being part of a $1.1 billion dollar repair, essentially. And you bring up a good point. What if it was all there on day one, and that 1.1 mm-hmm. billion was spent to give even more? What would that mm-hmm. part? That's a kind of a mind-blowing proposition that you have there. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so that's like Gardens of Galaxy day one, Cars Land day, all that was there. World of Color day one, 2001. If that was all there, what would it be like now, coming up on its 20th anniversary? What else could we have gotten? Like that's ugh, to think about that.
1: But this is what I love about the deep rooted history of Disneyland. And DCA is quickly on its own path of having just as much deep history. Now, Disneyland's history is more rooted around the heart. And DCA's history is more rooted around business and how do you clean up your mess and how do you fine-tune it. And it Mm -hmm. just gets better all the time. And I think that's the rewarding part about being a pass holder. And and I often refer to DCA as the locals part. uh, Mm -hmm. Because the amount of local people that go there When Disneyland feels like it's at It's tipping point And there's just a little bit of pride It was, you know, design, designed, uh, designed It was designed around <laughs> California So that sort of gives a little bit more Of the local pride And it just seems like With the wider walkways On a busy day it's just kind of go over to DCA That's where we, we want to go And there's a lot of interesting history there. And this is one of my favorite things about the evolution of DCA. Where Maters at, there's tractors sitting where there was tractors on day one, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I love that it was wrong, but it was inexpensive. And it was a way to sort of fill out this little gap. And they had a bigger permit. They had a bigger plan. They, you know, One of the things I love about Disney storytelling is don't give it all away in the, in the first swing. Save a little yeah. bit for later. And when those tractors were sitting there, and now there's an attraction where kids love to to ride around on those tractors, and the idea that our next-door neighbor of Bugs Land, part of that was part of a farm that became Bugs Land that soon mm-hmm. will be a restaurant for Ant-Man. Like, that is
0: mm-hmm. three <laughs> hilarious
1: things chapters that all line up together.
0: Yeah, it's like someone, there was a, there was an inside joke somewhere, and, some, and someone took full advantage.
1: Yeah, I mean, just that kind of wittiness of, you know, if this was a farm and was Bugsland, we've <laughs> got to make sure that Ant-Man has a home in California as we're taking the different campuses and trying to figure out which heroes really have a presence in these various different parks. So, we've looked a little bit at the history What do you say we do what everybody knows the most? Let's look at some of the rides. All right. So you brought up a good point. When there was the sort of a little bit of a backlash on Galaxy's Edge of people's emotions were beyond what reality was. And when we look at Radiator Springs, Cars Land, there's only three rides here. And really, for most adults, there's only one ride here. Which is Radiator Springs Racers, which is the fastest that 40 miles per hour has ever felt in your life. (laughs) All right, now, you be sure to stay seated with your seatbelt buckled. It's the law in my town. Oh, my Lord. I, I, I was on it one night when it broke down, and, and I got to walk the the racetrack out.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: was fascinating. That must have
0: been a big moment for you.
1: Oh, come on, man. I, everybody else was complaining, and I was like, where do I tip you? Yeah. <laughs> Not only did I get to see an amazing pinstripe hidden Mickey on the backside of the tool chest uh, in, in the, the garage there, but Mm-mm. walking... On the, the the racetrack there, I was fascinated looking at the, the, the crack, like the slot cars are on, like the old mm. slot racers. But I was also fascinated to see how many abandoned hats
0: were all around. Oh, my gosh. So many hats.
1: <laughs> Disneyland must donate like a thousand hats a week to a, a thrift store somewhere in, in Orange County. But this ride worked me through this because, you know, the other parks better than I do. Mm-hmm. How close is this
0: to Epcot's test track? It is. It's. It's almost tit for tat. I mean, you. It's laid out almost exactly the same. I mean, they have obviously the blessing of size, which allows test track to get up to its, you know, its sixty miles an hour on that outdoor open run. But you, uh, you, it's a. You start, you know, you have your adventure on the inside. You come outside over the fast part. You know, it's uh, it's it's very, very close. The technology is exactly the same as far as it comes to vehicle. It's seat six. It's that slot, same slot car style um, uh, vehicle on the track. Like, it's... But definitely Radio Springs is the superior version of the two. Uh, test track, it has changed quite a bit over the years now with its kind of like... Uh, yeah, they kind of
1: made it look a little bit close to its neighbor,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you kind of design a car as opposed to its origins where it was the, uh, the facility that tested cars out yeah. where you kind of like the test dummy. Um, the story of Radiator Springs racers is much superior. They've got, you know, the blessing of future technologies because the animatronics for uh, the car characters are fascinating. Especially that major. I remember there was a D23. I want to say it was the 20... 2013 one they had the configuration there for Mater's mouth mm. there but without his over like the over the the skin or the top of it so you can see how it worked. There, that was the year they had they actually brought one of the racers cars to the Expo so that you could see it. they would not let you sit in it but it was there kind of like that getting you hyped for it but they are almost exactly the same uh, I think people a lot of people favor test track for its its speed right because that outdoor 60 miles power portion is really excellent and it banks at the end and you're really whipping. Because with that bank turn at 60, you feel like you're going with the convertible aspect way faster than that time. Right. But uh, for me, and I think it's the same with you, it's always for me, it's a story, 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 story. And, you know, that big building that uh, sits, that big circular building that Test Track sits in. It fits fairly well in the future world of Epcot, but you cannot beat that mountain range at all. No. Any rock work for me beats everything else, hands down, every time.
1: At the time, it was the biggest mountain range that Disney had ever built, and mm-hmm. what is clearly a work of art is when something looks beautiful at sunrise... And looks amazing on a sunny day and looks fantastic at a California sunset, but also looks great lit up at night. You know you have a work of art, like it looks beautiful and breathtaking every single time. And I think that the best way to show somebody it for the very first time, if you're playing amateur tour guide, is bring them through the Pacific Wharf eatery area bring them through that keyhole for the first time and just let that frame what they're getting ready to see and it blows people's minds and one of my jokes i use over and over again is hey if for whatever reason terrorists ever blew up the grand canyon don't worry about it (laughs) because disney could build another one
0: we'll do it again for you this is incredible yeah it's so convincing that, that is my favorite way to walk people as well. Uh, if I can help it, you know, obviously I don't have too much of a choice in that. Sure. Uh, hosting, but if I can help it, that is always the way I would love for people to see it for the first time. Um, the front way is also lovely as well. But that like reveal that we've talked about before is is so important. If, the, I, was,
1: if I was tour guiding and the, they, they were just like, we we're cool with whatever. We just want you to, mm-hmm. to show us the day. I, that's where I would end. I would make sure that they avoid it. And you can lead people in a way where they don't even really know that Radiator Springs and Cars Land is there, and you bring them in that way, it, it it's a punch in the gut. You're like, whoa, this is unbelievable, unless there's seagulls on the top of it. And then it suddenly loses its forced perspective. But talking about the story of that ride... It's the perfect ride because it has the three acts, which every story needs. We're taking a gentle cruise through the woods, and it's mellow, and it's rad, and we can see the bridge and the waterfall, and then... Whoa! Slow down! You ain't racing yet! In the double mater animatronic, right? Oh, I where, love that. Where we're following him into town, and there's like one, and then a second one on the other side of the bush. And by the way, it houses... 23 animatronics and i know there's other rides that have a lot more but think Mm -hmm. about the scale of these ginormous the biggest animatronics ever made and there's 23 of them that it houses we work our way to the city of radiator springs question for you which do you prefer to go into do you rather go to ramones or do you like to go to luigi's
0: I was supposed to go Luigi's. If I can if 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 I had to choose, I would always do Luigi's because we get that Luigi animatronic, which I love watching him move. Because then his movements are so fluid. Um, I also love the look on people's faces when the tires get changed because it's something they aren't really expecting. That kind of shifting with the sound effects, and then the uh, the really awesome um, uh, tires portion that comes on. The other side is fun because I know people like to get the little mist on them, and I love the for- the perspective of the image uh, moving with the car at the same time, which is always stunning to see that like happening in real time. Yeah, because like you can explain that to someone, and they're like, "Oh, but seeing it." Like, they had to build this image to move with your line of sight. It's like, so if I had that, they're both very impressive, but I love the, like, anytime I could get a choice of an animatronic over uh, a screen, I'll do that every time.
1: I I love Ramones. That's my favorite. And it's Mm -hmm. a very emotional reason why my um, great uncle Cecil was a car guy. And I, rem- oh, okay. I remember going out to his garage where he would work on cars, and I love that smell of car paint. Mm-hmm. And they have that very distinct smell of an auto body shop, and you could just kind of <laughs> smell that in the background. And I swear to God, being in that giant Hot Wheel and going back there, I'm in my great uncle Cecil's garage, and I feel like I'm eight years old in Kentucky. Like, it just... It's one of those odd little redneck bricky emotional beats that just gets me. <laughs>
0: That's, and I love, I think people, I like that room too, because people don't notice the fact that the uh, the paint, the machines that are painting are painting the color of your car also. Yes. That That is a, a small, subtle little detail that I, th- I think a lot of people miss as opposed to, they just think, oh, we're getting sprayed down. But no, the 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 rim of the light changes to the color of the car we're in. And that's, oh, it's so they impressive. They do such a good job with that. It's just such a, a small detail, small detail, but... I think they're all enamored with, you know, uh, seeing Ramon there uh, and Flo and the actual getting kind of sprayed a little bit. But I love that it's the same color, like you're prepping for that race. Then you go out and see Doc, and I love that yeah when uh, it, when it gives you that well.
1: it gives you that that pet talk and and <laughs> and this is one of the thing, this is one of those citizens of Disneyland moments that I love uh, citizenship still pending. Don't have the button. <laughs> I love, like, you know, I've talked about it a thousand times on the podcast. I will always wave at the train going by small world because when those little shadows of people wave back at me, it's mm-hmm. like poster art is coming to light. But when we pull in and we're talking and Doc gives us our, our, all right, rookie, and we're in there, (laughs) that interaction with the other car, you might have 12 complete strangers or or five people in a single rider and five people in a single rider. So, you know, four different sets of people, whatever the mix is, the commonality of you you just stare at them and they're staring at you. There's normally a little bit of like lighthearted, healthy Disney trash talk and... Mm -hmm. You know, you you see little kids kind of get scared, like strangers are talking to me, and it's mm-hmm. that that moment where you're like, "Hey, we're all here to have fun," and let the more we interact, the more fun we have, and it's off. And that race is the fastest that forty miles per hour has ever felt, and that's why each one of those cars costs an approximate two hundred thousand dollars each. They clock in about 30,000 miles each per year on that track. They have real tires that are checked all the time for safety, and those tires get replaced all the time when they start to show anywhere on the treads. It it is fascinating that it is so close to being a real car. And you know how you really want other people to love Disneyland Flander?
0: Mm hmm
1: I put my niece in the driver's seat when she was like (laughs) five years old. It was her first ride ever at Disneyland, and I was so proud that Uncle Mark was able to get there early and get the fast pass after we Mm -hmm. did our our princess breakfast. And at the princess breakfast, all the princesses came over to her, and then when Minnie Mouse came up, she looked over and goes, Minnie Mouse couldn't say anything to me because their head's made of wood. (laughs) (laughs) But I put her in the driver's seat, and the poor little thing when we were racing, I could just see the little tears going 40 miles an hour down the side of her face. She was she was driving a car for the first time in her life, and it goes mm-hmm. so fast and it makes those turns. She was literally paralyzed by fear mm-hmm. until she got off and then thought it was the most amazing thing that
0: she'd ever done. It's always a fun interaction with the kids. Like they're worried at that part because the attraction up until that point is pretty calm. Like they're all into it. They see the characters, but I've been on plenty of times with families where the kid doesn't realize the race portion and you don't see it at all. Especially if you don't come in from the wharf area, it's completely hidden. Uh, So they are like, you could see in the picture where they were. They had no idea that it was going to go fast (laughs) like that at all. (laughs) Knowing where that photo's at and being
1: on the single rider and doing something. Funny that the other five people are like, "Whoa, look at like, how did that guy know?" But it's a talent, that that attraction, the three acts you have, mellow, almost something that feels akin to the Mark Twain of the Disneyland Railroad. You mm-hmm. have the dark ride storytelling portion, and then you have chapter 3 thrill ride and to go through each one of those steps to go through all three of what Disney does best and, and makes their attractions feel so different than what we would refer to as an amusement park it makes it one of the greatest rides of all time and it. I don't see that ever tarnishing I see that 50 years from now being in that same rare regard as Pirates and the Haunted Mansion because it is so perfectly constructed and put together and up until the very end when you hit the Tell Light Caverns and it it mellows down, you get to have a little bit of conversation with those strangers, there's the sound of the water dripping, two more animatronics just to sort of kiss you goodbye, like it is the perfect Disneyland attraction by all means.
0: It encompasses so many things of what the company does best. You know, utilizing so many different types of technology in one, uh, one single attraction. The storytelling aspect is amazing. It'll be something that, regardless of how you feel about the franchise, um, you know that that line doesn't get to two hours long because everybody loves the Cars and movies. You know that it's people just adore it for what it is, and I think that's one of the biggest selling points when people think about you know, you know, an IP, like you don't have to necessarily be familiar with it. And I think that's always an imaginary masterstroke when they can get you to enjoy something that you may not have any clue about. Like you don't have to have seen cars and I have to enjoy that. I will come clean with you.
1: I have not seen one minute of (laughs) any of those movies. My whole experience of cars land or cars is cars land. See, I I call it cars. I don't even call it cars. And people have written, reviews over on iTunes like stop saying you don't watch the movies it ruins your advice like hey I'm here to guide you through Disneyland what you do at home on Disney Plus that's up to you I'm here to to be your Disneyland Sherpa and I'm telling you I (laughs) love that attraction it takes me back to being a little boy and playing with Hot Wheels and it doesn't matter to me that it's a part of a movie it doesn't matter at all I don't know the background on Hippie I think he's funny I don't know what he does (laughs) I don't need to know what he does I know Larry the Cable Guy's in that ride, and I don't need to know that either because I moved really, really far to get away from being around Kentucky and what it reminds me of, (laughs) and I still love that ride. To me, that ride, you know, it's hard for people to see this because of nostalgia, but if you brought somebody... Uh, on the show from Fifty Years in the Future, I do believe that that will be looked at in the same regard as Haunted Mansion and Pirates. I think that it's on that upper upper echelon to call it the E ticket is underselling it. It's at that E plus ticket, right? Like it's plus ticket a- above and beyond everything else. And I know for your job of giving people, you know, a competitive edge uh, to the park, giving them access is really what they're 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 paying for. That's got to be something that you probably do on almost every single tour because part of the perk of the Plaid Vest is Radiator Springs with your family and friends without killing two hours.
0: Yeah, that uh, that is always a must. It's always interesting to see who, what people choose to do, and there's always a, a big highlight that or the highlight reel, I like to call it, uh, where people always enjoy a lot of the same attractions or, like, the, the bigger ones because they don't want to have to wait as long. But, yeah, getting to uh, – um, not only take them to it and not have them have to wait a long time, but also to fill them in on if they're interested. Of course, the design, construction, uh, the backstory—all of that stuff—is one of the you know the greatest parts about being able to do um, what I do. It's not just about just getting on the attraction, but also getting to see. More, it's like see behind the the scenes, you know. To some people are really invested with in the creation of a lot of these things, and they like to know, you're not necessarily just hidden Mickey things, but they're fascinated by what it took to make something like this happen. And it's right. always really great when you get someone who has never seen the movie too, because afterwards I'll ask them like, did it make sense to you? Because if it did then imagining uh and the team that they're with you know whether it be pixar lucas home they did their job you know do you understand you know i think like uh guardians of the galaxy is a great example where knowing more as much as you can about those characters is important but i can tell people well just think of it as the good guys got kidnapped by a bad guy and now you're here to help the good guys uh get out
1: if it was called space ride it would still make sense <laughs> right, I mean it would, and this is, this is like to me, you know, somebody clever at Pixar said we should make a movie about Hot Wheels, but that's a different brand, so we should do our own <laughs> make thing, our own Hot Wheels, because that's what that's a big part of being a kid. People love those, and so they did it, uh, did it well enough to what make three different movies, yep, and a slew and a of, ton of
0: shorts, yeah, and toys. a slew of
1: straight to DVD type stuff. So I mean, mm-hmm. it obviously works, but. I know the story. Like I know who the characters are. I have a rough idea of what's up, and instead of wasting six hours of my life I do it in like eight minutes. <laughs> I've
0: got, it's like I know everything I need to know about the hippie car from my very brief interaction with him, as well as seeing where he parks himself at night over where they sell the food.
1: And I do love the water hose effect in there for making over it look ran, like, uh-huh. yeah, that the water hose and red is Probably my favorite citizen of Radiator Springs when I see him out on on the streets. And you know, this this ride hits a lot of emotional tones for me in that the music that they play in the queue, it sounds a lot like the music that my momo, which is Kentucky for Grandma, uh, mm-hmm. it it reminds me of the old AM radio that was either playing, you know, Jimmy Swagger preaching or music. And when I'm standing in line I hear pop, 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 fizz, fizz, fizz. I'm like, I could live here. Yeah. Like, I, I love that. <laughs> and I'm not even going to lie. I know Paint the Magic just had a big anniversary. When I saw that semi, I'm not, I'm not oh, going to yes. cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> Matt. Maybe I will cry. My dad's a truck driver. And I have so much respect for truck drivers. And getting to go on the road with him when I was a kid was so special to me. I am not going to cry. When... <laughs> that semi-truck came down Main Street and a job that a lot of people turn their nose up at and every little kid was waving at it with enthusiasm yep. it, it just it touched me so much and I took my dad most people, their parents take them to Disney. I take my parents to Disney. There you go. I took my dad to Disneyland, and he's like, I don't know if I want to stay for this parade. I'm like, just stop it. He's like a little child. <laughs> I put him in his sit stroller. Out. He looks like he's on drugs because he's <laughs> so tired, like all the kids. Said, just yeah, Give him some it.
0: ice cream. Sit him down. Just, I took him over
1: to the market house. By the way, excellent post on the market house. Um, I took him over to the market house. We sat and over there on West Street, and then... I was like, alright, it's almost parade time, let's go over there And when that semi Came down Main Street I just looked over mm-hmm. at him and it was just As if he got to be The 10 year old boy that life Never gave him the luxury to be because of how His family was And oh, good. One of the best Disney memories I'll ever have And aside from Paint the Night having a fantastic Soundtrack, thank you so yes. much uh, What is that, Owl City that Owl has, City, uh-huh With uh, Carly Rae Jobson um, it, That's just amazing So there's so much about this ride that is designed for me And once again, haven't seen the movie And I'm proud to say that Because I can still <laughs> love this land so much So right now, Philander uh, You're a professional know-it-all Throw on, throw us, throw us Your favorite go-to fun fact about Radiator Springs And don't cheat and tell me did you know that there's six basketball courts, one in each Cadillac tail? <laughs> we should start that rumor.
0: I have, let me see. Um, I think my favorite one is the, uh, the license plates on the back of the cars. Yeah, That's what I was going to do. You're going to do that one? Okay, I'll do a different one. Um, my second favorite one is, oh, what's another good one? Uh, While you're thinking, we really oh, should start the rumor that there's
1: basketball courts in the Cadillac Tell.
0: Yeah, any any big structure, is like, I'm going to tell people there's a basketball. That one's a batting cage. Somewhere. That one is <laughs> where you can practice
1: your golf swing.
0: Uh, I love the... Um, pointing out to especially individuals when i find out that they're big car guys or gals oh there you go um mentioning the uh the cadillac range and actually telling them that it's based those those each of those peaks is based off of actual Cadillacs. right right and you could look at them from left to right i believe it's 57 to 62 one after the other so fifty-seven, fifty-eight, fifty-nine, sixty, sixty-one, sixty-two 89 66 162 for all six backs and you can see them like stare at him and be like oh my gosh you're like that's the back of the car i don't know cars well enough to know but i can tell by when i look at their face and they see them setting it they're like that is the actual backs yeah you know because these are individuals these men and women who like live and breathe that life and they can see it and they may not have like noticed it at first because they were they're so overwhelmed by that environment when you actually point it out and they see it, that is like, oh my God, they have a huge moment with that. Um, So that's probably, if not the license plate, that's one of my favorite ones to mention.
1: When you can point out that those are all different years, that is fascinating. And then the license plate, which is fun, is that all the license plates on the cars are the initials in, in a creative way of the Imagineers that worked on the attraction. And I always think about... Uh, of course, that's a great job to be an Imagineer. Mm-hmm. But like when I had uh, Tasha from Pixar on here, mm-hmm. to, to be able to go into the park and, and be like, if you don't mind, I kind of want to wait for the car that has, you know, M, B, R1Y on it, because that's the car that... Ha- you know what I mean? Like, just like... Yeah. <laughs> to, to be able to get my family in my car, that, you know, every single day, hundreds of people are having a, an unbelievable memory in. It's so fascinating. And the mountain range, the, the tallest tell the one there in the center, it's 125 feet off the ground. As a comparison, Matterhorn, I believe, is 149, 150-something. So... You know, that always, I always love to point out the height of Matterhorn against everything else just to give you an idea of scale. And then another, you know, the numerical fun fact is the whole mountain range is 300,000 square feet. The cost of all of this was over $200 million. And when you look at that one point whatever billion expansion, they spent about 12% on this one attraction. And man, they didn't waste 1%.
0: It's all there. Every single penny. Every penny is there.
1: It really is such an, a, a phenomenal attraction. And, you know, it's it's next to impossible to remember it not being there. Because I really do believe that this is the heart of, of DCA. Like, this is the big go-to attraction. Uh, the other two, we have Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. Never wrote it. I know that that would make me sicker than a dog. <laughs> if this podcast ever gets like crazy big, there's like a handful of things that I will ride once for like to raise money for charity. You know, like
0: you my go. big chalk walk <laughs> will be
1: like, Ricky's going to ride Mater's Junkyard Jamboree for the first time. <laughs> will you ride that if if you're with a family and they want the kids to get on it? Will you get out there and jam?
0: I have written everything, and I can tell you I've written many things where uh, the family or the parent may not have wanted to do whatever it is due to those same type of reasons. So I tell them I do everything. So So I have taken kids on to, yep, I step in, and they are eternally grateful for that. I can tell you that because they get to not feel as sick as a dog, but their kids also get to have a great time on retraction. So uh, I tell them I do everything. Granted, that's not a requirement, but uh, I individually am someone who will. Have no problem doing it on behalf of them, so that, or kids that want to do things three or four times in a row. So that's the oh, exact same lord. thing. Oh, <laughs> my
1: lord, my lord. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> if, if I, you know, I like to pretend that I have your job sometimes because it's my favorite job in the world. Um, I would say to the family, I'm like, look, I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. And then I would just step aside and be like, have fun, children. If you want to get on it 10 more times, I'll cut you in the line 10 more times. But old man Bricky's not jamming with you today.
0: I'll get you there, but that's as far as I go. I can
1: only take you there. I can lead the horse to water, but you have to drink, my friend. (laughs) Quick question for you. What do you prefer? Mater's Graveyard Jamboree or uh, the Jingle Jamboree? um, I'm going to go with Jingle. Yeah,
0: Because it's Christmas. Uh, dude, I know mean, you understand that.
1: <laughs> don't get me started. When they bring out that second set of telephone poles.
0: I know. That's when you know you when, see the second one go across the street. We, when your... they put up the
1: second set of telephone poles so they can hang the Halloween and Christmas decorations. And I'm telling mm-hmm. you, DCA's Christmas vibes are so on brand because everything in there, even though it doesn't feel like a nostalgia park. They decorate it like 1950s Christmas, which is when Christmas starts to come alive. The version of Christmas that we all love was birthed in the 50s, and they nail that with Hollywoodland and with the decorations over on um, Route 66. Now, Luigi's Rockin' Roadsters are our final, or I'm sorry, Rollickin. I always say it wrong. (laughs) That's a hard one.
0: It's rollicking is a hard word to to like say into a loop, but and we have to be careful because we're always it's always no like very heavy nomenclature for us. Yeah, because uh, we always have to mention that the name of an attraction is is important. You know, Imagineers pour over. You know, you can imagine hundreds of ideas about what do we call this thing that we have created. So it's important for us to give that that it, its full name as often as possible to, you know, almost as a tribute to the attraction itself.
1: Yeah, well, they're not making it easy for you guys how long nope. the names are these days. Like most nope. new attractions have a semicolon in the middle of them <laughs> <laughs> for, for part two. I mean, you know, I call it Smuggler's Run. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that. But mm-hmm. I can only imagine how long some of these Marvel names are gonna be. Uh, oh my goodness! Trying yeah. to figure it out. You know, it's like now there's always like the big word that is the 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 IP that we recognize, and mm-hmm. then there's like you know the the thing below it. But I'm gonna tell you this about Luigi's Rollickin Roadsters. I refer to this ride as something that nobody else calls it by because there is a song that they play that I love, that I sing all year long, and my wife hates me for it. (laughs) Pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin Halloween. Halloween. Everybody loves a pumpkin Halloween. I love it so much. I don't know why. I love it so much. This ride, I think, is the definition of cute, Disneyland ride. For every time that I've gone over and taken photos of it, or just watch the cars do one dance, mm-hmm. it's probably twenty-five to one the amount of times that I've rode it. Like, I, I think that this is the teacups of DCA. It's just yeah a beautiful outdoor attraction that just has all the right emotional nods.
0: Yeah, people really enjoy that uh, attraction uh the queues can be long for it but it's one of those ones where people love watching it just as much as they do it uh writing it yeah and they're fascinated especially if they have never seen any type of trackless attraction before um I remember before rise resistance open i was using that attraction as a way to kind Me of describe too. it to people yeah. because it's if you have never been on it uh or seen it in action uh, it's it's trackless technology is very hard to explain to certain people because I was trying to say, well, it's kind of like um, you know, imagine this traction. imagine it inside of a, a you know a, a space you know that's fully immersive, enclosed, and you don't know which way your vehicle' gonna move or turn, you know, but I love explaining to people how it works because you can see, uh, especially the individuals that I may happen to host to, are fascinated with those types of things. You know, people love story, of course, but they're also very interested in the technology that's used to create these experiences. Uh, she's telling them that all oh, these cars, they, the cars charge in between intervals and there's a system that's, you know, deciding where they go. And I love pointing out the a couple of sets where the two cars will dance in the middle with each other. Yeah. Um, I love that. It's just, it's it's such a, for, for it being such a simple use of that technology, it works really well.
1: I'm telling you what they're missing out on. With all of those Italian flags hanging over mm-hmm. it, they need to have a pizza by the slice cart right there. Just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be great. I, I always watch it and go, man, this would be so much better if I had a slice of pepperoni this right pizza. now. <laughs> I mean, that's, with the music, I'd be over this jamming pumpkin, pumpkin mm-hmm. hollow Wayne with my slice, (laughs) that would be so good! I I think that it's absolutely just adorable, the the outside of it, and, you know, it's a quiet part of, of DCA, too. You're on that road there, and um, all the different uh, flower, floral decorations that are built out of old um, tell lights, and and the yes. the uh, carnacopia that's right there on the corner <laughs> is absolutely beautiful. And I love they have those little enclaves. There's like benches, areas where you can just kind of hang out, you know,
0: sit down, take take a uh, take a little moment to yourself,
1: and enjoy the fact that. All the manhole covers have radiator springs logos on them,
0: all the garbage the cans. trash cans, just oh so much detail. You know what to the
1: founded What they're missing out on is this a traditional wool type fitted baseball cap that just has that RS on the front of it. That is a merchandise item that would sink Now, Not as much as that Monster University hat that they've probably sold 10 million copies of. (laughs) Because how did they sell so many of that Monster University hat? It's got to be, there's more of those than there are humans.
0: (laughs) People loved that hat. Like anything, especially if you can find a way to pull like an object from a film that has like significance like that because it's like it's mike's hat from the film and you don't even really see it that often but it was just and i think it's part that they made it that worn and little spot is kind of torn away yeah you know to show that it has like has history yeah people adore that hat we have been that hat is gone almost all the time
1: that radiator springs, though, the, just the RS, just keep it simple. You got it. You don't have to break mm-hmm. it. You don't have to put a giant patch on the back Just DCA, California, 2020. <laughs> like, just that. Like, it's a baseball team, cash money. Uh, and do it in, sold. Do it in different colors, and I'm rocking it so hard. <laughs> so let me ask you this. When you go through the queue, and when you're in uh, Casa Dela's Tire Shop, Mm-hmm. There's, and that always makes me feel like I'm saying like the white guy version of quesadilla. When I'm like, Casadella. I'd like a Casadella, please. I'd like the carne asada Casadella. Um, when you're in the shop there, there's all those beautiful posters. Shout out to Eric Tan, who did some of those. Um, but there's also those glass cases. And when you see glass cases at Disneyland, you know that there's a treasure trove in front of you. What's some of your favorite things you like to point out to people?
0: Um, I want to say the one that I like the most is the, that where uh, Pixar uh, came up with that character for John uh, John Lasseter John Lasseter mm-hmm. and he has a note he has a note written to uh, Luigi in there which I love mentioning that that is the character that they created for him I think, I think that's one of my favorite ones to uh, to talk about um, and just the level of detail even if it's something that I can't point out specifically I love having people. Look and really read into how much small detail is put into things. Like I told, this is someone's job to just fill out this space to make it feel lived in, that Luigi and Guido in this space faces their history, their memories, that someone has to create all these things because it's not necessarily important for the film. Because now we're adding more character to these guys than even, because they're not main characters in those films, but we're giving them even more backstory for a theme park attraction than they ever would have needed for the film because they are, you know, almost like the comic relief. They're, they maybe have, but across all three movies, a total of, what, 20 minutes of screen time? And now we're t- talking about where they grew up and their friends and their accomplishments, you know, all that stuff. So even if it's not like a specific thing, like the John Lasseter thing, just having the guests read like newspaper print, that it's an actual newspaper that someone typed out or uh, a note from Luigi to Lightning, you know, that's literally smaller than your fish. You could barely read it. That's the kind of stuff that I loved about them see. But if it was a real car
1: shop, mm-hmm. they would have clippings of all their favorite stuff in there and and it would yep. be for their customers to check out so it's like a tga fridays of their life where everything <laughs> yeah. on there belongs to something uh, i think the one that i like pointing out to people because people just like to find these things is the little lightning mcqueen that's wearing the mickey ears
0: that's a good one
1: <laughs> because it's just like everybody like i'm not really a hidden mickey type of guy you know like that's not really my my thing but like pointing that out to people makes them happy so i've kind of learned where they're at like the Cap one over on Mater's. That's that's up in the archway there, um, but yeah, this this attraction, it's just like the the front building's beautiful. I love the Leaning Tower of Tires. Uh, liking even more For the two different holidays That it celebrates But I mean There's so much technology in there Each one of these cars Costs about $250,000 So that it can ride independently Self-charge The the GPS that keeps them in there One time Just messing with somebody In a very dry delivery They're like How does it work? I go Oh there's really good Tractor drivers underneath it That have magnets <laughs> They're all magnets There's just these guys That can do that drive All day long They're like Really? I'm like are you an idiot? Come on, get out of here. Get out of here. I'm pulling your leg. We're having fun at Disneyland. Let's go rip some cones over the cozy cone, which I have to say. Cozy cone motel, this spot right here, man. we've, we've taken the back path. We've gone in the mm-hmm. back way. We're looking at all the different cozy cones. Come on, man. I need a Cone Asada right now.
0: <laughs> that little area is, is so much fun um, to taking a, Like from the movie, it being like a motel, but turning into like a little spot to get food, having it all themed, even down to the plant life. I can't think of the name of the tree, but the flowers growing off of it are also cone shaped. Like that's just that's the kind of thing that we are living for, that someone was like, we should plant this tree here or put this tree here because it has cone shaped. You know, leaves that grow out of it, and that will fit perfectly in this who area.
1: Figured that out. Like, who was looking through a book? It was like, whoa, wait a minute. I know where we put these at. That area is so cute and charming, and it, the mixed space of it, the mixed use space of it, is it's a picnic area, it's a walk-up, um, quick counter service area, which has you know five different options there, um, and then the meeting greet that happens in the front. And yep. that the neon sign is breathtaking. The cone uh, circulating fountain is amazing. Once again, the flower arrangements, the the perfectly green astroturf, the fence around it. Like, it couldn't be any cuter. And I have a list of dream places I'd like to go at Disneyland. And at the top of that list, I just want to be there once when they open the door to the actual Cozy Cone Motel and just step <laughs> inside, inside of it because it is breathtaking. First off, the shape of that building. Could it mm-hmm. be more perfect mid-century Americana? I mean, it is a breathtaking little design, and I love when they put that mid-century vibe into Disneyland. But if you go up and press your face against the glass, and I do the detailing, the decorations in there, even for, for the holidays or just the regular decorations like nobody gets to go in there other than the set designer and the yep. janitor and it's breathtaking
0: it's that little stuff and that's the thing that makes you appreciate it where they are almost rewarding you for your, your that extra little peek that you do the, lo- the longer your eyes linger <laughs> yeah, for your lunacy <laughs> <laughs> They're awarding you for that extra Peak like let me look in this space just a tad Bit longer and see what I can find you know And the fact that someone goes in there adds The Halloween Halloween or Christmas in there As well like oh man The little Christmas
1: Christmas village That they put over in the corner there Mm -hmm. For the regular time of year The number one thing that people have to go in there Look for because this is the type of thing that people would just love to see Go in there and look around at the cones And see if you can't find a little nod To Toy
0: Story Mm -hmm. And it is
1: that's an emotional punch when the first time you discover that one you're like oh they have thought of everything everything they have thought of <laughs>
0: it's like who's hiding in here i want to get so crazy
1: and famous in the disney world that when the Imagineers get together they go okay this is the attraction this is the land but now we got to go in and put in what we like to refer to as the bricky details we got to put the stuff in there for the <laughs> lunatics so what's our lunatic appeal on this restaurant
0: We're going to coin coin it and say, uh, we need you to bricky that up a little bit more.
1: (laughs) We need to put the hidden
0: brickies (laughs) in there.
1: (laughs) So that little motel office, you and I are old enough to come from a time where you remember motels in the motel office Mm -hmm. and going in there and negotiating the room or, you know kids sit in the car and dad went in there and brokered the big deal on what he was paying you know like i i got five dollars off and you know staying at the motel on the way to the big epic drive down the disney world um i just i love it so much and really such a great vast food offering and hang out in those picnic tables it's really one of my favorite spots and probably i'd have to say i've eaten there Way more than I've had uh, dining experiences over at flows V eight.
0: yeah, I think it's the, it's it lends to the the fact that you can kind of get something that's hearty that you can still move around with it. Right, I think is a big thing because a lot of and I can imagine you you were if you're not sitting down in a space where you're people watching, you're on the move there, oh, uh, the so you can get your time in. And those cones, especially, I think it's cone three, where you get the like the chili con queso. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. And if you finish the bread with it, too, that was a legitimate meal. You know, that's that's almost, I would say, a tad bit more than a, uh, like a snack. Yeah. Um, and the soft serve that they have at the, the, the ice cream cone, the different popcorn flavors, which reminds me so much of Tokyo Disneyland, and the, the, the last liquor. far cone. Like, they do such a good job with the offerings there where you've got you know, if you put all that together, a, a legitimate quick service like you could almost call that a whole area a restaurant. If you yeah. did not have to walk up to each individual restaurant uh, cone. It's a bit of a
1: you know, it's a, a kind of a makeshift food court or almost like mm-hmm. a like a food truck type alley. You know, playing it to the the bigger city vibe, but it has so many different offerings, and because it's just enough off the beaten path, you're normally looking at less than a dozen people in front of you. You know, like you can you can normally move in and out of there at a pretty fast break.
0: Honey, it's me, Flo. And even though you can't see me through this radio, I can tell you, you are running on empty. Your gas tank's crumbling. Your get up and go has got up and left, baby. Mm-mm-mm. Now why not let Flo take care of you, honey? I've got the finest fuel on Route 66. Haul your tailpipe in here right and fuel up at Flows V8 Cafe right in the heart of Radiator Springs.
1: Flows has got great vibes. I love that it's a night.
0: I love Flows too.
1: I love that it's an Americana menu. It's like traditional American food and, and the, the scale of that restaurant. I mean, when you go down the far end of it and it has all of those mid-century atomic age like little starburst everywhere. hmm The Christmas trees in there with the, the 45s yes. hanging on them. I mean, the vibes, and you know, one of the things that makes Cars Land so different than other lands uh, at the park is that it actually uses music with vocals, and it uses music mm-hmm. that's popular or known outside of being associated with Disney. I mean, hearing old Elvis songs when I'm there—it just because that's a real thing that exists separately from Disney—it adds a level yes. of realism to it all.
0: But I especially flows because uh, growing up uh, in my family, there was a lot of uh, Motown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when my mother and father controlled the radio, it was a lot of music that you hear in flows like that Supremes, that Diana Ross. So that restaurant always gives me those vibes. Um mm-hmm of that. I love the little small details in there as well. The color scheme I love. Beautiful. Um, And just the fact that they have to now create a space that did not exist in the film, because in those films, you don't go into flows ever. Right. So they had now had to design the outside to match the film so it looked like how most people see from the film, but now we have to create an inside as well that did not exist with the So imagining working with Pixar. What would the inside of flows shop look like? And this is what we needed to do and just, uh, like, the seat, like, especially the far end room where you go down and you get that huge window that looks out to Radiator Springs Racers, like, it's just, they did such a fantastic job with that.
1: And let me take you on the outside of that window, because that patio out there, that goes down as one of my quiet spots of DCA. Mm-hmm. Most people are too lazy or don't, they're not aware to walk all the way down to the end of that, that uh, patio. So you're at the very corner of the monument valley there you're you're sitting there you got a beautiful sight you hear the cars buzzing by and people having fun the succulent garden mm-hmm. that separates you from the main thoroughfare where everybody's walking the path and, and then that beautiful mid-century modern creek rock that they have on the outside of that building with the windows yes. and it has all of the uh-huh. the 30 degree angles from that time period like it is A beautiful building and you know one of the things that makes this land famous is its neon. This is the centerpiece of the neon. Yep. And the way that Flows is positioned, that is the spot you want to take your sunset photo in DCA because you can get a Gorgeous California sunset falling behind that building, and right at the twilight—that's when it's the best time to take a photo of neon because it's not blowing it out. It has all of its allure. Mm -hmm. And man, I've taken so many people to to Cars Land. I'm like, let's just let's—I always do this move because I like to surprise people. Like. Let's just kind of hang out on a bench for a minute. Let's chill out. Like, whoa, <laughs> feel how warm that bench is from the sun setting. And then people will kind of wait around. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Because they know me. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, We're just hanging out. Just be quiet <laughs> yeah. and hang out. Just stop it. Stop being a kid. And then when it gets to the proper sunset, and they play. Life would be easy do, 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 And one by one, starting at the courthouse, each building yep. one at a time, the neon comes on all the way down the street, and the music gets cranked up a little bit. And everybody always looks over me like I had no idea what we were doing. Thank you so much for making sure we got to see this today, because that is pure Disney magic.
0: It's so well done. We have people so many times ask us what time is it at. And they have to kind of tell them. Well, it's dusk every day. You know, it's not a set time. It's hard but it's to time. That, yeah, it's a hard thing to time. And people, but I love it that it's it's uh, it's something that people will take time out of their day to make sure that they're in Carsland. They treat it like a show, like a, like something you would have to wait in line for right. or wait like in a crowd to see. And I love that they will make sure that they get to Carsland to see this moment happen, or if it's like showing someone else because they see it, or the people that stumble upon it and they had no idea. I love to make sure that I get cause I have to. I almost want to make sure if, they, if I'm in that moment at that time when it's going to happen. I need them to kind of be by on Route 66, but across from Flows and uh, the Cone because I need you to see the motel sign. I may need them to see the outside of uh, Flows light up as well because the neon towards the end isn't as. Al- no, that's as elaborate. The,
1: spot. Uh, the Those benches that are right in front of. Forgive me for not knowing the name. What's the store that looks like a weathered old country store?
0: Oh, uh, uh, Lizzie's, the, uh, uh, God, what is Lizzie's? Um, oh, that's going to kill me. I'm going to think of it. Let me think of it. Can... Oh, Curios, Radio Springs Curios.
1: That building has such an authentic side of the road vibe to it. And then the little mm-hmm. billboard that separates that from uh, Cozy Cone. Mm It has, like, you know, the painting. Like, that is so side of the road. It's such a cute little shop. And I I always try to get people to hang out, like, right around that area. Because that's sort of the the epicenter of that little show. If you can get right in that spot, lean against the fence there, you just get all of it at once. I love it so much.
0: Yes. uh, Yes. It's something that people, like you said, are always grateful that they get to see. Uh, They don't necessarily know. And I never want to spoil it. uh, Yeah, you got to hide hide, You got to hide that. Or we're coming away from racers or heading to it. And it starts and people want to stop and take a moment to look at it. And it's one of those things where the land is fantastic. Even if they don't do that specific moment, like the neon has to come on. But to do the moment from the film, which is such a small moment it doesn't really change the aspect of the film nearly as much, but to pull it from that and play that song, it creates this, this feeling, and I love that it has a power with you as well, because you haven't seen the moment from the film, but you still understand that this is a really great moment that's happening around you and how much it ties the whole kind of land in with it kind of coming alive at night um, I love that
1: Philander, I don't watch movies because my life is a movie
0: <laughs> I'll
1: agree with that. <laughs> One of my favorite things to show people in this land, and it's free and there's no line, I love taking people into Sarge's and showing them the little model, the little toy vignettes that they have it all set out in that big glass case. I've taken photos of that before. Mm-hmm. I've put videos of that up on YouTube, and I always get questions. Where's this at? I'm like, it's just inside the store. <laughs> you just got to go into Sarge's and check it out.
0: I love that, that that takes up so much room, and that could literally be anything else. That could be shelves for merchandise, but it's this huge model, and I really appreciate that they would dedicate that much space in a, a store for oh yeah. a really great model.
1: With the way that they can maximize retail, they could put three or four different um, displays in there and, and, and sell all kinds of stuff.
0: The sound of my voice, you're closer than you think to Radiator Springs at Cars Land, located in Disney California Adventure Park. Why not roll on over and park it here for a while?
1: One of my favorite things to tell people about this land, and I think that this is kind of a good little like closer, and I'd love to get one from you, but I, I, I love taking people over to the Paradise Garden Grill. And I love showing them the building where we now do the meet and greets, right? So like this is normally the area where when you go over to um, the Paradise Garden Grill area, like pretend we're over by Goofy's Flight School and we we go straight a little bit. And there's like that sort of like, it's not like a hexagon, but it's a sort of a roundish type building. I love taking people to that building and say, you see this? This used to sit right where the beginning of Cars Land's at. I'm like, what? I'm like, yes. <laughs> this was the Santa Rosa Seed and Supply for the Bountiful Garden. Then it was the P.T. Flea Market for Bugs Land. And moving mm-hmm. that building over here at, at the, the, the food court type area, I just love that this, to me, this building represents the beginning Of a rich history for Disney's California Adventure.
0: Yeah, and I love that they—I love when they can keep stuff because they could have easily just gotten rid of that. And I remember going there often uh, when I was younger, and I used to still collect pins because I used to be the PT Fleas, and there was a pin store, Mm -hmm. and that was like—I used to go in there all the time for that. And I love when they get to keep things uh, and not because really, it get easily built another you know little meeting greet area in that corner there sure. but I like the, it's, it's always fun when you can point out the history and what's kept in the park or what can be saved as opposed to taken apart and how things
1: move around you know like and, mm-hmm. and that just gives that sort of disposable uh, area that I pray one day becomes a bridge over to the hotel and to, to more oh. to more DCA. Uh, I've, that would be amazing. I've looked at it on Google Maps. I feel very confident that we can make this happen. <laughs> call me. Call me. I'm, I'm open for some um, consulting. But uh, I just love that you know this little building. That it's not a ride. It's not an attraction. You might go there during one of the different celebrations for a, a meet and greet or to get a photo. But I just love that it has that history. And you know, I think what we're looking at with DCA is we're we're looking at a time where everybody's about instant gratification but those of us that love this park are slowly seeing its own history its own legacy but the best thing is is that we're living through it all so we're seeing it happen in real time and What comes next with our new next-door neighbor of Avengers Campus?
0: Oh, the superheroes are coming.
1: It's just going to keep that (laughs) legacy building and growing, and you'll be like, dude, this used to be where the choo-choo train's at. (laughs) used to be a big-ass Band-Aid right there.
0: (laughs) This is where the tissue box was. Oh,
1: the tissue box restrooms. Come on, man. Come on. Give everybody a kiss goodbye from Cars Land. What's what's one of your favorite things that you just love to show people
0: let's see cars land oh mm -hmm. i love a small one outside i love is uh at the radio springs curios on the back corner they have uh, a little nod to ed Catmull, who was one of the uh, former president of pixar Um, usually they don't pay as much tribute to the business side, it's more the the, the, Creative. the creatives. Yeah. So it's fun to see him get a nod because you almost expect individuals like directed the films or like John Lasseter to have nods because they were part of the creation process of these characters and films. But getting a nod for him is fun. To me, seeing that was like seeing a Roy Disney nod where yeah. it's like, it's he was obviously a huge deal, but you're not going to see him nearly as much as you see the, the face of the company, right. i.e. like, you know, John or, or Walt. Um, and then in flows, I love uh, showing people if we end up eating on the left hand side as opposed to docks like a little maintenance area that they created this entire backstory for flow that is not in the movie where she was a um, like a doo-wop singer that like traveled the world and. Like, I uh, I remember posting on that on Monday, uh, like, weeks ago, but they put records on the wall. They created songs for her based off of actual songs. Dude, you don't think I'm uh, not a
1: big fan of the Motorama Girls? <laughs> <laughs> what a
0: deep dive. I, it's like, I've got every album. <laughs> it's a great name. But I, I love that and that whole little nod and, you know, just kind of filling out a restaurant and really, like, kind of opening up uh, – A story for a character because again Flo she gets you know 15 minutes of screen time but well this is her restaurant we have to now kind of like really open it up and I love pointing out again like you mentioned in um, uh, Luigi's zooming in on those small details and seeing how deep how how deep how far down the rabbit hole you're going to go with this and you know Flo is such a small character and I love that they put that attention to detail in there so I think those two are a big one for me It's
1: it's a really great land, and the best thing I can say for it is is it was a prototype for bigger things to come. And, you know, how I have my opinion that I think Indiana Jones really will look like that bridge between old Disneyland and new Disneyland of getting IP in the park and telling stories, I think that we will historically look back on Cars Land as another one of those big bridges of lands used to be a certain way, and this was the new version of a land, and it's it's kind of funny because when we compare it to its counterpart um, over in Disneyland proper, Galaxy's Edge, it now seems kind of remedial that it's it's basically mm-hmm. just a straight road. It's like, it's a T, right? It's like a yeah. a road that that crosses with another one. But man, the first time you walk on it, it it feels so real, and there's buildings, like we said earlier, that you don't know what they are, and you don't even care because it all feels actualized that it all feels real and what i love about the evolution of the company is you take just you know another billion dollars and another handful of years and look at how that concept gets so much more complex with all the nooks and crannies three entry points a crazier mountain range an actual forest like I think that this land will be so important in the long scheme of things. I love thinking about Disney at 100 and I think this will be one of the things that we look at as like, that was a turning point in the the history of imagination.
0: Yeah, when we start building full-on immersive lands and seeing I remember getting more and more excited for Galaxy Edge before we'd even seen really anything of it, when they kind of showed those like far away um, concept art, like the very first concept that they showed us, but thinking of Uh, Avatar and Cars Land as a basis for what could be achieved now with uh, immersion and rock work and things like you can almost, your brain is almost helping create in your mind what this would be like based off of what we know, you know, Imagineering is capable of at this point, especially with the massive, you know, huge funds to almost let them design in that actual blue sky element as opposed to like well we may not be able to create something of this magnitude because of you know maybe budget at this moment is not this or not that but to really let them kind of go all out i remember i think it was john or no bob Iger quoted as saying you guys go all in on galaxy's edge like this is you know open the book up on it because this needs to be big he knew the
1: gamble he knew the gamble of what that fan looks like Mm -hmm. how that property is for some people damn near a religion and and adding that big of an extension onto the most sacred thing that the company owns Walt's original Magic Kingdom Mm -hmm. he knew the gamble and he knew he had to bet big and if we were looking at Imagineering season whatever the story would go this way it would literally like the big celebration at the end of an episode would be with Galaxy's Edge completed and a superhero Avengers campus across the way, it seemed as if mm-hmm. the Disney Corporation couldn't be stopped. And then a pandemic happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is literally going to be the cherry on top of the renaissance of, of this renaissance that we all live through. And I think now we're going to kind of go into a Disneyland Paris 90s type vibe for a little bit. But... Just knowing that the love that people have for the park with the America Mall dying and entertainment growing and the advent of social media, like, don't kid yourself for a second if social media hasn't pumped millions and billions of dollars into the park because everybody knows when you post a castle pic, everybody's jealous. I mean, it is <laughs> FOMO has feed the beast in such a great way that us fans benefit from because the money was pumping in. And they were putting it right back into us of the fans' building and building. Philander Butler, I always appreciate you taking off the plaid vests and going low rent with me (laughs) on a walk around the park.
0: Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure.
1: Hey friends, thank you so much for joining us. I hope we offered some peace for your troubled mind. Remember, please, love each other. And hey, this week, how about this challenge? How about we all try to be on our absolute best Disneyland behavior? I think that that would go pretty far. And you'd be surprised how great the world around you is when you treat every day and every neighborhood that you walk through with the same love, grace, and respect that you offer Walt's original Magic Kingdom. And show the world that we are actual citizens of Disneyland and we stand for everything good in this world and most importantly, love, peace, hope, and imagination. So till the next time... I see you, I beg of you, try to live the magic every day, and whatever you do right now, no matter how dark the world seems, don't stop believing in the magic. I'm here to tell you, it's real, and it's everywhere, if you just look for it. I know you may be a stranger and we've never met, but friend, I love meeting you every week, and going to Disneyland. Thank you for joining me, I'll see you again next Wednesday.